he did better with women than he did with men. Actually also won with independence. He won with independence by about eight points in the Iowa caucuses. All these groups that she claimed that she's gonna run better with, Donald Trump was actually the one who was running better than Nikki Haley. When we asked folks, um, do you approve or disapprove of the job that Donald Trump did as president? We'll sometimes get as high as 58%, and that's of all voters. The primary's over, Donald Trump won, Let's stop wasting resources against each other and let's keep our focus on Joe Biden right now. All right, what a way to kick off a week. New Hampshire primary tomorrow. We knew it was going to be exciting, but then last night, kaboom, Ron DeSantis drops out of the race, backs Trump, and then kicks Nikki Haley on the way out. Wow, this is like a, this was a movie. It would just keep getting better and better. Um, this is unbelievable. And obviously, as I mentioned, uh, you know, uh, Congress passed a short-term CR to March. That keeps the government open so we can focus entirely on New Hampshire. This may be it, folks. 24 hours from now, we may be saying that the race is over and Donald Trump is the presumptive nominee. Thanks for everyone who joined me last night on the YouTube live stream. We had a great conversation. I'm going to do it again tomorrow night after the show. So set that notification button, go in and hit it, subscribe to the show, hit the notification button. Uh, and then as, if you didn't see it last night, it's posted under the live section of the show. Check it out. We, you put comments, I respond to them. I answer your questions and give you the greatest and latest analysis today. We've got some great guests, uh, both Matt Mowers. He lives in New Hampshire. He's going to join us from Concord. He ran for Congress twice up there. He knows what's going on on the ground. But first and foremost, I want to introduce Trump's pollster, Jim McLaughlin, to give us the latest. Here we go with Jim. Well, I know who's having a good Monday morning, and his name is Jim McLaughlin. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great, Sean. I, ho I hope you're doing well. I am, but I think uh, who's doing even better than either of us is President Trump and his team. What a weekend, man. I'm thinking to myself, you get Ramaswamy after Iowa. That was mm -hmm. somewhat of a no-brainer. The Tim Scott thing I thought was a total coup, right? And uh, I mean, that was like a huge put down to Nikki Haley. I was watching the video when what some reporter or something told her and she was like, well, well, we'll see. It was like a deer in the headlights. And then the DeSantis thing was like, kaboom. I mean, I got to say, I, if you're Trump, it was like, it just, it was an escalating political weekend of good news. Yeah, it, it was just one piece of good news after another. And Sean, you know this, you've worked on a ton of campaigns over the years. It's, you know how important momentum is in a campaign, whether it's a general election, whether it's a primary or whether it's a caucus. And right now, President Trump has all the momentum. And forget the polls, you know, you've seen all these polls recently that have come out and, you know, Donald Trump's ahead and whatnot. But what I thought was, the exit polls from the Iowa caucuses were very, very insightful. Because you look at it, if you're somebody like Nikki Haley, Donald Trump beat her with moderates in the, uh, in the Iowa caucuses. He actually beat her with suburban voters. He did better with women than he did with men. He beat her by over 30 points among women in the Iowa caucuses. So that's telling you right there. And he actually also won with independence. He won with independence by about eight points in the Iowa caucuses. So all these groups that she claimed that she's going to run better with,
Donald Trump was actually the one who was running better than Nikki Haley. So, you know, she said she wanted a one-on-one race. She's got it. All right. If you're a longtime watcher of the show, you know about my friend Leo Grillo. He is the founder of Delta Rescue, but it all started one day when he rescued a Doberman. The dog was malnourished. It hadn't gotten the, the help and the care that it needed. Once he rescued that dog, well, it became a lifelong mission for Leo. He created Delta Rescue, named for the dog, right? Dedication and everlasting love to animals. And that has blossomed into Delta Rescue, which is the largest no-kill sanctuary for all kinds of animals, dogs, cats, horses, you name it. If you go to deltarescue.org, you'll get a sense of what I'm talking about. Check out the videos. It shows you what Leo has created. It's a lifelong mission, and Leo's doing more than just the here and now. He's asking us through our contributions to keep funding it. That's how it completely survives, five, 10, 100, $1,000 that we can give to Delta Rescue. But he wants to make this a long-term, enduring mission. Go check out their estate planning kit there. If you're an animal lover like I am, check it out, download the kit, and see if you can make Delta Rescue part of your enduring lifelong mission, your legacy as well. He's doing some great work there. Go to deltarescue.org to check it out and check out that estate planning kit. And if you can, help keep the mission going right now through a contribution. It's interesting that you bring up those stats because I, I I hadn't really delved into it to the extent that clearly you have. And uh, I mean, I just knew that he won, he won big, but it's interesting because they're banking on that going to New Hampshire, right? This, The whole thing that I find fascinating is the campaign from the Haley perspective is predicated on this idea that she can attract Democrats and independents into an, a, a primary. Um, and I get it. There's really not a Democratic race to speak of on the um, for president today, tomorrow. Um, but if she does well, it's not because she did well with Republican voters. Right. It's because in New Hampshire, independents can vote in the primary and Democrats can register same day. Yeah. And look, <laughs> trying to rely on Democrats and Biden voters to win a Republican uh, primary is not a real good strategy right now. And look, it's what I always say to people. Donald Trump has a message. He has a very powerful message that he's going to the primary voters with, that he's going to the general election voters with. What's her message? And I think what's happened is we've been seeing her numbers have actually been going down and Donald Trump's have been going up since the last debate that her and Ron DeSantis had, because I think a lot of people saw her and didn't like what they were seeing. And that's what I always tell folks. I said, you know, I don't care who it is, whether it's Scott Walker, whether it's Jeb Bush or whether it's Ron DeSantis, there's when that red light of the presidential campaign gets shown on you and are you going to go up? Or are you going to go down? And I think she's going down. And the other thing is, the other thing is she's been thrown around saying that she's running better in the polls. She threw, she throws out the one outlier poll that had her up by uh, 17 over Joe Biden, which was done months and months ago. But if you look at the average of the polls right now, Donald Trump does several points better than her versus Joe Biden. She's only getting about 42% of the vote versus Joe Biden, whereas Donald Trump gets about 47% of the vote versus Joe Biden. But I want to go back to, to the idea of what you said about Iowa, because the narrative is this New Hampshire primary is where she could really excel because she can bring in independents and Democrats. But what you were saying is that in Iowa, when you looked at the actual results, he was doing well with independents and moderates. So he may actually completely crush her 
if that's true in New Hampshire, I get they're not necessarily the same voters because Iowa tends to be a little bit more conservative and evangelical, yeah. probably even within the, but this idea that the media is trying to perpetuate that all of this, these independents can come in and really help her might not be actually true. Yeah. And, and when you look at the two most recent surveys that were done in New Hampshire, uh, Matt Towery's Insider Advantage uh, survey, they've got Donald Trump up getting 62% of the vote. The Boston Globe survey, which also looks like a pretty darn good survey, he's getting 57% of the vote. So he's not going down, he's going up. And that's one of the things that we've seen throughout this primary process. The more voters seem to see with Donald Trump and the more they hear him on the issues, the more it reminds them, hey, this guy did a really good job as president. And one of the good, the best strategic things that this campaign did was they actually went over the heads of Ron DeSantis. They went over the heads of Nikki Haley and they made this a race between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. And that especially helps him among Republican primary voters. And, and Sean, the other point I want to make to you is this is, yep, about eight out of 10 voters in the Iowa caucuses are self-described conservatives, but about two thirds of the folks that are telling you they're going to show up in the, in the New Hampshire primary are self-described conservatives. While they may not necessarily be quite as conservative as they are in Iowa, they are still pretty darn conservative. And a lot of the attack points that Nikki Haley has been using, quite honestly, have been the same attacks that Joe Biden and the left are using against Donald Trump. And I think many of them are backfiring. That's why Donald Trump's going up in the polls. So, so let me just add, I want to start down a path for a second, but just you, you've been doing this a long time. <laughs> it, when you look at the results late Tuesday night or Wednesday morning from the New Hampshire primary, what in your mind, take Donald Trump, take Nikki Haley out of the equation for a second, generic candidate A, generic candidate B, what would constitute a blowout for candidate A? Oh, look, I, I think. Nikki Haley's put everything into New Hampshire. No, 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 but, but I get that. I don't, just, just, let's just keep it generic for a second. Mm -hmm. If you were woke up and you looked at candidate A and candidate B the day after an election, mm -hmm. candidate A beats candidate B by X number, what number in your mind gets blowout status versus just one? I, th I think, look, it's gotta be, Nikki Haley has to win. I'm sorry, you know, be, because it's not a hypothetical. Nikki, well, it is. Yeah. I mean, it is because I, I, what I'm trying to get at is that if mm -hmm. somebody called me up and said, hey, my candidate won the race. And mm -hmm. I say, how much did you win by? And they go, we won by 15 votes. And they're like, well, that was close. You call yeah. and say, I win by 15 points. That's a blowout to me. And the reason I'm asking is the Tuesday night or Wednesday morning, it's all going to be about expectations and perceptions yeah. and oh. whatever. And my point is this, let, let me just add the reality back in because you've touched on it. Mm -hmm. You got that brand new uh, Boston Globe poll out. It shows uh, Trump up 57, 38. That's a 19 point lead, right? Um, all of these polls have him between 50, 55, 56, now 57, her in the high 30s. One actually touches 40. And DeSantis was always between six and eight points. Mm -hmm. So his poll, his his supporters apparently break Trump about two thirds. My point is this, if he blows Nikki Haley out in New Hampshire by 15 points or more, 
where she was perceived to have po- done the best she could possibly do because mm-hmm. of this influx of independence. I don't see how you wake up Wednesday morning and make the case to go on if you lost by 15 points. So let's yeah. let's kind of put that ball in play. If she loses by more than 15 points, I just don't see how you can make the case to donors or volunteers that you that you can stay in the race. I think she she has to win it, let alone lose by 15 or if she keeps it within uh, single digits. Because the other interesting thing is, and this is one of the reasons why Ron DeSantis got out, not only was it did he underperform in Iowa, and by the way, he beat Nikki Haley in Iowa, it was he was losing by over 30 points in his home state of Florida. Now we've seen another poll that's come out by a respected pollster, Tony Fabrizio, where Donald Trump is beating her by 39 points in South Carolina. I saw that. And so, and, and look, Tony doesn't cook numbers. The numbers are what the numbers are. Right. Um, that's why I think, look, I think she's just, she's staying in. She's trying to get a delegate or two in New Hampshire. She's going to say I was the last one standing. Um, but I don't think this, if she loses New Hampshire, you know, I'm just saying reality. This isn't hypothetical. This is Donald Trump versus Nikki Haley. She's put all her ducks into New Hampshire, like Ron DeSantis put right. all his ducks into Iowa. If she doesn't win New Hampshire, there's just not a path there right now. All right, guys, most of us know what it's like to be without power, sometimes for an hour, maybe a day, a couple days after a natural disaster, a hurricane, a windstorm, you know, whatever. But now national security experts are warning that our power grid is more vulnerable than ever. And they've identified nine key substations, which if attacked, They're saying we could lose power for months, months. That's why having your own solar power is more important than ever. So I recommend the Patriot Power Generator, which is a solar generator that you don't have to install in your house. It's portable. You can take it with you. You can use it inside your house. And it's powerful enough that if power goes out, we're talking your phones, your tablets, your computers, medical devices, even your refrigerator gets power. So if you go to fourpatriots.com and use code SPICER, you get 10% off your first purchase. It's four patriots.com includes that patriot power generator you'll get a uh that guarantee for a year free shipping if it's over 97 bucks and a portion of every sale is donated to charities that support veterans right that's great so go to fourpatriots.com use code spicer fourpatriots.com you do not want to be without power in case something happens so let me ask you this let's just assume and again i don't think it's an assume i think he will blow her out tomorrow night and then I, I do think that she has to draw. I mean, it, there's an embarrassment factor that starts to come in that losing in your home state um, a month from now. Remember, Iowa, I mean, excuse me, South Carolina is one month, February 24th from tomorrow. So the idea that she'll have the gas in the tank to keep going doesn't seem p- plausible to me. That being said, let's, let's go back to Iowa for a second. The president, President Trump, the night he won Iowa, by a lot of accounts, gave a very gracious victory speech. A lot of people, even Sean Hannity, when he spoke to him in this town hall a couple of days later, said, you got a lot of plaudits. People were out there saying, wow, this was a Donald Trump that I could really support. It looked like he could embrace those people in suburbia that have questions about his style. From a polling standpoint, in an image standpoint, how helpful is it that he kind of Go, go along that tactic stylistically versus 
the pugnacious fighter that he's always been. And Sean, you know this from having worked at Donald Trump. <laughs> Donald Trump views his pollsters as a necessary evil. Um, right. He doesn't take positions based off of polls. But you know what Donald Trump does every day? As you know, I, I think he talks to hundreds of people every day. You know he how does. he operates, whether it's on the phone or doing his town halls, doing his rallies. He talks to people. He loves to listen to people. And I think he hears it all over from Americans. They want to be united again. They want to come together. So I think that's why he extended the olive branch. And I, I can't tell you how many people I heard after the Hannity town hall that were telling me, even folks that weren't necessarily voting for Donald Trump were telling me we could get behind him because he has a huge advantage over Joe Biden when it comes to the issues that people care about most. They're literally, the Democrats, they're trying to invent issues. They're trying to say he's a dictator, he's a fascist, and all this other kind of nonsense that's going on right now. Everything that the voters care about most. And one of the things I think why he's surging in New Hampshire is because they have an affordability recession up there. Just like everywhere else in the country, the cost of heating your home during the winter has doubled up there. And why? Because of Joe Biden's, and really, that's the interesting part. Nikki Haley hasn't picked up on that in her messaging. Donald Trump talks about it all the time. That's why Donald Trump, what are you going to do on day one? Donald Trump says, I'm going to fix the border, and I'm going to make us energy independent again. And one of the promises he made to the people in New Hampshire, within a year, I will lower um, I will lower your uh, utility bills. Right. I'm going to lower your he- heating costs. He said, within a year. We're going to cut him in half. And they believe him because he has credibility on that issue. Oh, yeah. Because that's what he did when he was president. I I know that we're all focused on New Hampshire tomorrow night and this nomination, but I I read a lot of online chatter uh, and watched even a couple of the morning programs today. And there were some spec, there was speculation about, you know, why did DeSantis get out when he did? And one of the prevailing themes is that he wanted to preserve some political capital to run again in 2028. I think Nikki Haley is going to get out Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. And if not, it doesn't really matter. Donald Trump will effectively be the nominee. With respect to both of those candidates, if you were advising them, do you think that they have a future in 2028? And I say this because as much as the media likes to talk about this, Jim, when I talk to people who are in the MAGA movement, they believe that both of those folks are done. Like they're like, you ran, you betrayed Trump, you're done, you're dead to us. But from a polling standpoint, from a from a from your standpoint, if they were to come to you and say, Okay, I tried, I dropped out, I got behind Trump in the case of DeSantis, do I have a future in twenty twenty eight? What would you say to them? The first thing they need to do is get behind Donald Trump. Why because look. Sean, most voters never would have heard of Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley if it wasn't for Donald Trump. Um, Literally, I do a lot of work in Florida, and we had polls where Ron DeSantis against Adam Putnam in the Republican primary was down by over 30 points. And what happened? He got the Trump endorsement, and Nikki Haley became his UN ambassador. 
And one of the things I think that has been really underestimated, especially by the uh, quote unquote establishment on both the left and the right in this campaign, is the popularity of Donald Trump's issue agenda and his successful issue agenda. When we ask it, forget the personalities. When we ask folks, um, do you approve or disapprove of the job that Donald Trump did as president? We'll sometimes get as high as 58%. And that's of all voters telling you they approved of the job he did. Even the exit polls going back to 2020 gave him a 51 to 53% job approval right after the presidential race. They need to get behind Donald Trump. If you're Ron DeSantis, what you need to do is go be a good governor. They have some problems down there with affordability because of the Biden agenda, because of property insurance, et cetera. He needs to go down to Florida, be a good governor and support President Trump. Nikki Haley needs to get behind him because I think she could be a, a good, powerful voice to be able to help Donald Trump sell his message in the general election. And I think they both have a future when it's all said and done, as long as they do the right thing, because a lot of voters right now, they're saying, OK, primary's over. Donald Trump won. Let's stop wasting resources against each other. And let's keep our focus on Joe Biden right now, because Joe Biden, I didn't think this was possible with the Republican base. Joe Biden is more unpopular with the Republican base than Hillary Clinton or Barack Jeez. Obama ever were. That's how unpopular he is with Republicans crazy. right now. Crazy. I want to just ask you one last question. Um, I've been a big, I don't even think skeptic, a, a critic of public polling for some time. Yeah. But the last couple Iowa polls pretty much were spot on. Yeah. Is that a one-off or do you think public polling has gotten a little bit better? I think it's gotten better. And, and, and it's a great point, Sean. And it's a lot of inside baseball, but you followed this. One of the biggest problems we've seen, and my brother and John and I have been real critics about this, is quite honestly what we've been seeing in a lot of these national surveys and even in a lot of these battleground surveys is they undersample Republicans. And look, basically for about the last two decades, Republicans and Democrats in national elections are pretty much on parity in terms of partisan makeup of the electorate. Yeah. It's usually around 36, 37, 38% Republican or Democrat. You know, there might be a year where Democrats outnumber Republicans by three or four points and, and vice versa. But, you know, they're throwing out these general election polls where they're, where Democrats are outnumbered Republicans by like 10 points. So I think, look, and I think you haven't had some of these more liberal leaning and partisan pollsters haven't really been involved in places like New Hampshire, haven't been involved in places like Iowa. And I think people are getting a little bit better. They're, they're using voter lists. They're starting to screen a little bit better. And look, to be quite honest with you, uh, to do poll, it's expensive to do yes. polling the proper way. And I well, hope I didn't get too far in the weeds. No, no, no. See, I think that's what it's, it's helpful for the audience to understand this because pu public polling that media organizations do is always done on the cheap. And when you do things yeah. on the cheap, you're going to get a cheap answer. And when you, there's a reason that candidates pay for people like you and your brother, John, or, you know, Tony Fabrizio or others, because you do it right. You're professionals. Um, and it costs more to do it right, to get the right mix and the right model. And anyway, uh, Jim, I'm looking forward to catching up with you later in the cycle as this progresses. But I think we uh, 
We will probably have a presumptive nominee sometime tomorrow night. Uh, I wish you all the best. Thanks for joining us again. Thank you, Sean. And this show is always one of my favorites. You're doing great. I'm really proud of you. Thanks, brother. All right, folks, I got a question. Are we all being lied to because you think about this big banks and Wall Street, they all want us to put our money into an IRA or a 401k. The question is, is there a better way? Are we risking our lives in like a Wall Street casino to secure our investments for the future? Studies show the average American who follows the advice will actually outlive their savings by 10 years. So the question is, are you getting what you need? A man who invented the 401k says it's actually a failed experiment that should be destroyed. So think about this. You can have guaranteed predictable growth and retirement income if you go to bank on yourself. Bankonyourself.com slash Spicer. Your plan goes forward. No matter what, if the market tumbles, you still make out. You have your principal and your growth are locked in. It's tax-free retirement income. You'll know what your tax rate will be in retirement. Zero under current tax law, which protects you from the coming tax tsunami. Uh, You're in control. You get access to your money for any purpose. No questions asked. That's not how it works with an IRA or a 401k, right? Bank on yourself, totally different model here. You get peace of mind. You know the minimum guaranteed value of your retirement savings on the day that you plan to tap into and at every point along the way. So if you want guaranteed, predictable annual growth and control of your money in tax-free retirement income, go to bankonyourself.com slash Spicer, bankonyourself.com slash Spicer, and they're going to send you a free report uh, that tells you about all of these opportunities. Bankonyourself.com slash Spicer. All right, well, Jim knows what he's talking about. I always love having him on. Let's bring in Matt Mowers, who's on the ground there. He's run for office before. He knows what it takes to win. Let's go. Joining us live from Concord, New Hampshire, Matt Mowers. Matt, uh, tell us, give me a sense of like what what the what's going on up there. I keep reading these media reports that there's not a lot of excitement like there was in years past. There's the signage, the hubbub isn't there. Is that is that a real feeling or is that just a bunch of reporters that go yeah. to a hotel and yeah i mean you know i i think they're talking about the fact they're seeing fewer sine waves on the one corner in uh manchester at granite and elm street or something right i i mean it's interesting but i mean they're not totally off you are not seeing the same you know visible signs of the primary that we're used to you're not seeing the same groups of supporters out on random street corners organically or you put there by the campaigns you see um, but there, you juxtapose that, and we're likely to have some of the highest turnout we've ever had in the Republican primary tomorrow. Uh, you know, the Secretary of State's now saying it might be over 330,000 voters in the Republican primary. That eclipses the uh, high water mark from eight years ago, which was by, by almost 50,000 votes. Um, so, you know, it's interesting to, to, to hear that because, you know, they're right. You're not, you know, you're not seeing that same type of intensity. They're talking to voters who are a little, feel lethargic, but... Lethargic votes still count as one vote, just as much <laughs> as an enthusiastic one. So uh, I think we're still going to see a high turnout. Um, you know, the the, the can I ask? I used I, Matt. Yeah. I don't want to interrupt. I just the thing that I find funny is I, explain that to me because there seems to be a juxtaposition, right? In one sense, it's hey, we're not seeing the excitement, and then the Secretary of State saying, but we're going to have the highest turnout. What what explain that? Like, is it just a sense of duty, or or because they are huge Trump supporters, or like what what is it that is explains that. Yeah, I, I think part of it's just you, you've got, I mean, look, let's first of all address the Democrats. You know, Joe yep. Biden is not on the ballot. He and the Democratic National Committee totally snubbed New Hampshire. Yeah, it came in fifth place here four years ago. So they said, well, we're taking it in. We're going to South Carolina. 
So you've got Dean Phillips, who I bumped into the other day. He's a lovely, nice guy um, uh, who's out did here. You, did you talk to him? Right, we did. Yeah, I talked for a little while. You know, not long, but he was, you know, I, I would say call him noticeably nice. You know, he's a noticeably nice guy. Minnesota nice. Um, that's right. And, you know, not only that, but he spent five million bucks of his own uh, gelato money here in New Hampshire on TV ads. So, um, you know, he's he's doing uh, he's doing what he needs to do. I think he's going to surprise and probably get 20 something percent. But with all that said, you know, this you, so you don't have the frenzy on the Democratic side. And we're now down to two candidates here on the Republican side, right? Ron DeSantis gets out yesterday. Um, and it's essentially been a two-person race uh, for really the past few weeks between Trump and Haley. And so, you know, you're not seeing that same kinetic energy on the field because you only have two candidates. You only have two campaigns. You only have, you know, two uh, sets of town halls happening at one time, right? Um, I think we've gotten so used to having these 10, 15, you know, eight years ago, 17 candidate fields where you'd be walking up and down Elm Street and bumping into Carly Fiorina randomly or Ben Carson. Um, it's just, it's a, it's a shrunken field right now here. And that's what's contributing to a lot of this as well. And there is a little, I don't want to call it fatalism, but I think you know a lot of folks are just believing what they're seeing in the polls, especially after what they saw the Iowa results, where I've had voters who, you know, I would call them um, reluctant Trump supporters, right? They're, they're not enthusiastic ones. These are folks who've been around politics, but they've said to me when I've talked to them, you know what, I'm going to vote for Trump, which surprised me because I know kind of their politics. And they said, he's going to be the nominee. So let's just wrap this up and get it over with. And so I think there's a little bit of that sinking in as well right now. You brought up uh, Biden and the Democrats. So I just before we spend a little time on the Republican side, why if, if Joe Biden isn't on the ballot there and and uh, and Dean Phillips, the Minnesota congressman is. Why do you think he only gets 20 percent? Is it, And I say that because the Biden campaign isn't on the ballot, but it seems like, at least from what I'm hearing, they're really making a concerted effort for this write-in campaign. Is it that robust from what you can see? It, it is. I mean, they've, they've had um, an organization set up now for a few months. Um, they've put some money behind it, you know, not, not a ton, but some. Um, but they have every Democratic elected official in the state is pushing folks to write in Biden. You know, Jean Shaheen did a, a picture the other day of her going to the, you know, Madbury uh, clerk's office and saying she was voting by absentee for Joe Biden because she'd be out of town. Um, and so, you know, you do have that effort from the Democratic Party, the Democratic establishment here, uh, which, you know, frustrates the hell out of Republicans like us, of course, because we're saying this is the guy who's trying to kill the New Hampshire primary. Right. You know, it's like it's like we're rewarding him for screwing us. It's when you mentioned how much money Dean Phillips put in. That's a lot of money in New Hampshire's economy that he just screwed him for. And so now they're turning around and saying, OK, but we'll still help you. It, it's 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 just fascinating to me. And I think, it you know, I thought what was really telling is you had a Democratic state senator host uh, the other day saying we must all uh, write in Biden in solidarity. And he posted a graphic, which was the communist fist. <laughs> it was literally the old Soviet fist poster. And like, Hello, comrades. You know, this just shows the collectivism mindset they've got going into this primary where they say, you know, he's screwing us, but we all have to fall in line. And it's just, it's the most incredible thing. Um, so let's, let's kind of flip over for a second. Because that's happening, because there's really not a democratic race, how concerned are you or should the Trump campaign potentially be that Democrats are going to try to play in the Republican primary? So so registered Democrats, if you, you are a registered Democrat, you can only vote in the Democratic primary. 
What you can do, though, if you are an unaffiliated voter, so an independent, so you don't choose to register with Republican or Democrat, you could vote in either primary. You can vote in both. You could vote in either of them. Um, and, and just you change your registration when you walk in, and then you can change it back to independent on the way out. Um, you're, you're going to see very high unaffiliated voter participation in the Republican primary, um, in part because there's no real race on the Democratic side. There are going to be some folks who, who choose to go right in um, Biden. There will be some who choose to vote for Dean Phillips. But the vast majority of unaffiliated voters are going to vote in the Republican primary, um, which is changing the makeup of it. I mean, most polling right now shows that uh, it's about 47 percent of the overall makeup might be unaffiliated, which would be a record. I mean, I think the, the highest we've seen before is maybe 40 percent, um, give or take. Um, but it, and I, I think that speaks to a couple of things. I mean, you know, the the natural inclination of observers to say, well, that's just going to help Haley. And yes, yeah, she is going to win at least a plurality, likely a majority of unaffiliated voters. Donald Trump still has a sizable level of support from unaffiliated voters, though. These are folks who are disenfranchised from the political system. Maybe they think both parties are too establishment. And so it, it's telling, um, you know, I, I kind of look at it as a simple math equation going into tomorrow. If 53 percent of the electorate's Republican and 47 percent is unaffiliated, then whoever you either have to get, if you're probably if Nikki Haley in this case, you have to either get significantly more unaffiliated voters to show up or you've got to improve your standing with Republicans. Um, otherwise, the equation doesn't work. Most polling, if you look at the CNN UNH poll that came out yesterday, Donald Trump's getting somewhere upwards of 68 percent or so of Republicans. Nikki Haley's getting somewhere around 57 percent of unaffiliated voters. So she's getting 57 percent of the 47 percent of the electorate, but he's getting 68 percent of the 53 percent of the electorate. Right. Just do the math. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because to your point, I mean, if you're Nikki Haley, this seems like the the one time that that you have a chance to do well because you start going to more and more closed primaries. So tomorrow night, as far as I'm concerned, if she doesn't actually keep this within, and I think at most 10 points, I don't mm -hmm. see how she makes the case to move forward. Do you agree? Yeah, it's going to be tough, right? Because the, the circumstances here are such that it is set up to go for a non-Trump candidate, right? Between unaffiliates being able to vote, uh, a more moderate Republican as well, right? I mean, not just unaffiliated voters, but you know, if you actually break down the Republican Party in New Hampshire, you have a an outsized role of moderate Republicans compared to a lot of other a lot of other electorates. More Republicans identify as pro-choice than many other states. A lot of libertarian-leading voters who have a different mindset on all of this. And so, and not to mention the fact that you've got Chris Sununu, who you know, current sitting governor, popular last name, family dynasty, who has remarkably strong approval ratings, especially with unaffiliated voters, who is all in for Nikki Hammond, like right. all in. I mean, he's at this point, he is like the campaign manager and the running mate uh, going to all these events. And so, um, uh, you know, it is the perfect you know, storm for someone who's a non-Trump candidate. You got to capitalize here. Now, I will say this, if she capitalizes, right? I mean, I think New Hampshire has the tendency to surprise. Um, you know, polling often can't pick up those last minute movements and surges sometimes. Um, and so let's say she does surprise. I do believe you could replicate some aspects of what happened in New Hampshire and other states. Um, you know, Michigan will vote before Super Tuesday, similar type of voting pattern. Even South Carolina, it, you know, remember a lot of the Southern states, you don't register by party. So inherently they're open primaries. You may be able to replicate some aspects of New Hampshire. But again, it's got to happen here. If it doesn't happen here, it's going to be really tough to do anywhere else. Yesterday, Chris, I mean, um, Ron DeSantis dropped out and he yep. endorsed Donald Trump. 
the polling suggests by about two thirds to one third that those folks would break that six to eight percent that he was getting would break for Trump. You also had Vivek Ramaswamy back him, which, you know, let's, who knows how much, I mean, I don't really think he was getting a ton. And Chris Christie sort of just endorsed no one. Where, where do you, does, 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 do any of those three, I mean, you talked about Governor Chris Sununu's backing of Nikki Haley. Do any of those three individuals, Tim Scott, Ron DeSantis, or Vivek Ramaswamy, have any poll about adding a few points here and there to either one of the candidates? Oh, sure. I mean, out of the names you mentioned, the two most influential candidates to drop out, given where their voters would go, would be Vivek Ramaswamy and Chris Christie for different reasons. Um, Vivek was actually, um, up until he got out, almost beating Ron DeSantis for you know fourth place here. You know, not by much, but it just goes to show you how far <laughs> Ron DeSantis had fallen here in New Hampshire. Uh, and his voters almost you know, unanimously are going to Donald Trump. And you saw that in polling. Trump was consistently polling around 45% for months. I mean, I'm talking about months now. And then Vivek drops out and now he's creeping over 50%. Almost all of his voters migrated there. Similarly, when Chris Christie dropped out, polling showed about three quarters of his supporters would go to Nikki Haley. And most of them have done that. Polling showed Nikki Haley around 31%, uh, while Christie had 9%, anywhere from 9 to 12 or 13, depending on the poll. And now she's in the high 30. She's polling around 39%. So most of his voters have migrated to her. Uh, DeSantis one splits, you know, kind of down the middle. And, and at this point, you know, you're talking about splitting up 5%, not inconsequential in a close race, but, um, it's, it's not going to be a clean split. I would imagine a slight majority of his supporters go to Trump. Uh, but you know, I think a, a sizable number will go to Haley as well. Um, his supporters were kind of pulling from different, different parts of the, uh, voter pool for, so to speak. So you mentioned, I mean, we've got a big X factor with these independents, unaffiliated voters that can go anywhere. The polling seems fairly consistent, right? Donald Trump somewhere around 55, Nikki Haley somewhere between 38 and 40. Do you, from what you see on the ground in the people that you talk to, do you think that's that's a realistic thing or do you think that we really will get some kind of surprise? I, I think it might be a little closer than than what the polling shows. Not, you know, unlikely to be a lot closer. I mean, I think they, you know, the good pollsters, I'd say, and I won't name names, but uh you know, there's there's two jobs in the world, actually maybe three jobs in the world where you can be wrong every day and still keep your job. Uh, it's it's the weatherman and a pollster and probably a pundit as well. Um, and so, but they're, the good pollsters are really trying hard to make sure they are getting a true reflection of the electorate. And I think when we look at the makeup of their sample, you know, talking about 47% unaffiliated voters, it shows they're doing that, um, you know? And, and so I, I think, look, we could see a surprise Maybe there's a surge of turnout, seismic surge of turnout of unaffiliated voters. Um, but, you know, if some of my conversations are playing out in larger scale where these kind of reluctant Trump voters are saying, let's go with him now, he's going to be the nominee, you know, it's possible he does trickle up into those mid-50s. Um, I still think he probably finishes up in the low 50s. But, um, you know, I, like I said, blog folks, the incredible thing, Sean, you would think with the tens of millions of dollars that's being spent, the hundreds of candidate visits, the immense amount of media that everyone would have their mind made up a day before the primary. Right. You'd be shocked at the number of people who are still figuring this out. I mean, I talked to a guy the other day. He is a former elected official, the son of a former elected official, and, and an independent voter. And he is still today not sure if he's going to pull a ballot for Nikki Haley in the Republican primary or go vote for Dean Phillips to send a message to Joe Biden. I, I just, I, I, people like that... People like that blow me away. I'm like, how do you not know 24 hours out? 
I mean, I, and by the way, saying I'm still going to go vote. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I feel like that's yeah, like I mean, when I go to, to like Costco and I just start putting stuff in the basket that I had no intention of buying. That's um, right. Let me. Right. I, so, in this case, you can't buy both, right? Like when you're at Costco, <laughs> you're like, you know, yeah, sure, I'll get the waffles, the frozen waffles, and the frozen pancakes. But you right. know, tomorrow you got to pick one. I know. Tomorrow night, walk me through. I mean, you you've got a, a good amount of experience in this front. What, what, how soon do you think we'll know where this race is? Uh, relatively soon. You'll have a slight delay in the count, though, because. And we well, can I mean, Joe explain Biden. that. Like, give me a timeline. Like, what, what, when, when should I be able to look on the, the, so the website? So, number of polling locations close at seven. Other ones close at eight. So, you are going to get staggered results um, throughout that. So, like Manchester. Why? Wait. Keeps, why is that? Why does New Hampshire do that? Uh, because every town gets to set their own rules. Um, so, we are a you know we're the live for your die state, baby. Like, we love local control. You know, go, you know, folks in D.C. can't tell us what to do. Folks in Concord can't tell us what to do. Um, even though I'm sitting in Concord right now. Um, and so, you know, literally it's local control. And so polling locations of places like Manchester will close at seven. A number of towns will close at eight o'clock. Um, and, and, you know, you would expect you'd get uh, pretty quick results. But remember, because Joe Biden isn't on the ballot, but is having everyone write his name into the ballot, those all have to be counted by hand. So they'll run them through the machine. They'll take all the ballots out. All of the ones that pop out as a write-in, they'll have to go through and track how many write-ins there are and most clerks, most town, you know, polling moderators and things like that will not release just the Republican results before they count the Democrat results. Are you so, kidding? Really? Yeah. So, yeah, so you're you're going to probably have a slight delay. Now, New Hampshire is good. We are uh, we are an efficient state. We we counter ballots quickly. We count them accurately. Um, it's done at the local level, but it will be a slight delay. I, I expect by nine o'clock, though, you're going to start getting some what? results in from those polling locations that close at seven. And, and you're going to be able to pick up on trends real fast. I mean, if Donald Trump's winning Manchester by a big margin, you're going to know pretty quickly. Uh, Bedford closes at seven, although it's a big town, so it takes a little longer to count sometimes. If Nikki Haley's not running away with a town like Bedford right outside of Manchester, a uh, little bit more of your, let's call it squishy Republican town, um, <laughs> a lot of independent voters, um, you know, if she's not running away with a town like that, you're going to know the results pretty quickly. I, I'm, I, this is what, I'm glad you shared that. I didn't realize that they had to wait to to release both at the same time. Uh, yep. Last question for you. New Hampshire has four electoral votes. And we saw in like the, the Bush v. Gore race that like every electoral vote counts. Yep. Do you think that snubbing New Hampshire Democrats the way that the Biden campaign did, is that an issue that resonates in the general election or will everyone get over it? I think there will be some. I mean, there will definitely be some voters who, and, and look, I've, I've talked to some Democrats who said, you know, I actually talked to a Democrat who went to a Trump rally the other night, first time he ever went. It thoroughly enjoyed the experience too, and said, "If it's Trump versus Biden, Biden's got no shot." <laughs> you know, and 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 now with all that said, though, I, how much does hurting the killing the primary impact it? I do think we're in such a partisan environment right now. I think Trump versus Biden is going to be so much of a red versus blue fight right. that you know parochial issues, which, you know, first the nation would be a parochial issue. Uh, it probably doesn't play a huge amount, but look, close elections, you know, it could. And when you have, you know, third party candidates to factor in, whether it's, you know, Green Party candidate, RFK, Cornell West, no labels, you know, you might be looking at close margins at this point. You may only need 43 something percent right. of the to win the state. And you mentioned Bush v. Gore, everyone focuses on the 500 some odd votes in Florida. 
don't forget that there was only about a, uh, several hundred votes that George Bush won New Hampshire that year. Um, it was actually right. smaller. Well, that's why that's my point. Got. Had it not been for New Hampshire, you know, we'd have President Gore. Yeah, well, thank God we don't or didn't. Uh, Matt Mowers, thank you for joining us uh, and your update there from Concord. Uh, appreciate it. Thanks for being with us. Thank you all for tuning in tonight. We're going to obviously have all of the, the insight for you tomorrow night. As we go on air, we'll be a little bit behind the polling, but we'll be able to share a lot of the insights that are happening and how the political world is breaking down. I'll be going live right after the show tomorrow night on YouTube. I had a great time with you guys uh, last night, Sunday night. Remember to subscribe now and hit that notification button so that you find out when we exactly go live, but it'll be tomorrow night after the show. Uh, thanks for everything you do to subscribe and share. I appreciate it. I'll see you back here tomorrow on The Sean Spicer Show.